0: Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Here we go. Everybody doing good still. Amen? Amen. Well, today we're going to continue on in our series, and if you're with us uh, for the first time today, hey, great, we just hope it's not your last time with us. I'm Jim Del Campo, and I get to be the senior pastor here for the last 29 and a half years. I've been that guy, and that's how old the church is, by the way. Um, We started it a long time ago, started out of my home way back when. I think we were still driving like stone vehicles with stone wheels and stuff like that, but but no. Um But before I begin today in this, you guys, could you guys turn the lights on? It's so dark out here. I think you forgot to turn those lights on out there, Jacob. So thank you very much. We have some good young people in there, but sometimes, you know, like you and I, we forget stuff. Um, But um, I want to point you to two weeks from today first, and then I'll get in the message. In two weeks, I'm going to begin a series where I've used this particular slogan you've heard me say before, cycle breaker, cycle maker. But I'm going to do a series called that. And uh, this series, I, I've been waiting for years, if not decades, to be honest with you. Um, I've, I've spent much of my 42 years of Christianity, especially the last 32, I should say, um, studying Genesis chapter 3, the fall, um, brutally, being brutally honest with myself about the issues that I grew up with and the home that I grew up in and how it affected me in the fall and all the nuances of Genesis chapter 3. And so I'm going to begin a series in two weeks. And I'm going to, it's going to cover anywhere from 8 to 10, maybe 11 weeks. And I'm going to go through all these things. A lot of it will be the stories from my life, but there'll be stories from other lives that I've counseled. I will not share the names of those stories, so don't panic anybody out there. Um, but it's purely relationships. And my hope is that after all these years... I can expose the dysfunctions that we walk around with, whether we live it in a 20% or 100% dysfunction of that particular thing. As we progress each week, I'm, I'm hoping that you as a relational person will grow and evolve, and that if there's problems even in your relating within in a marriage or maybe not, or just being outgoing and wanting to be around, whatever it is that will begin to resolve those things, that will break old cycles and will create new cycles. And so I would just hope that you would be praying with me because I, I don't get nervous about a series. I don't get nervous about much, to be honest. But this one kind of is overwhelming me because now I'm taking all these files of all these notes of all these things that I've written down specifically for 32 years, and I'm trying to put them in some kind of sequential order with all the things that I've learned connecting them to Genesis chapter 3. So if you remember, if you remember, just put up a prayer once in a while, say, help Pastor Jim, okay, in that next series. But if you know people that struggle relationally, this is a series, you want to invite somebody, this is the one. The first one is a foundational one, but after that, it's like, we're going to hit some stuff. And uh, I just pray that it blesses you, but I just hope you invite people, because people need to hear it besides us. Amen to that one? So, today I'm doing the third message, God has not given us. And I want to begin with um, 2 Timothy 1 7, and it says this For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, fear, but a power and love and, and discipline. See, what God has not given us is a fearful mind. God has never given us that whatsoever, but instead, God has given us a disciplined mind. Now, the word discipline there, it means calm, it means self-controlled, and it means a prioritized mind. Now, you and I both know that when we prioritize things, we focus our lives on the most important stuff, right? And the things that are not real important, we don't even bother with. That's not even part of our life. Anyone who has experienced success in any field, you know that's what you've done. That's what you had to do. Because it's the right thing. Well, God says, He has not given us an erratic mind, a mind that's all over the place. But He's instead given us a mind that is disciplined, a mind that is prioritized, a mind that is focused. And it has peace in it. Now, He also says in that verse... Not only has He given us a disciplined mind, He's given us love and He's given us power. Now, we'll cover that more a little later, but let me shoot you to love right now in 1 John 4.18. This was Paul speaking the first one. Now, here comes John, one of the disciples, eyewitness to the crucifixion, eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. Paul, who wrote the first one, had an experience with the resurrected Christ. These are eyewitness people to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, notice what John writes. He says in 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Now notice, there's no, zero, nada, zilch. There's no fear in love. And we know that God loves us, right? There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. That's a big phrase right there, Paul, uh, John writes. And the one who fears is not perfected in, in love. Now... <clears throat> what's interesting is when John says perfect love now the word perfect is the idea of mature it's a developing, it's a growing maturity of love that you're growing more and more in the understanding and the experience of God's love I find that interesting because it coincides with what we call the sermon on the mount, the beatitudes where Jesus says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect it's the same idea, maturity we're to mature, we're to grow. So it's, an, it's a direction that you and I are to be growing in and walking in. It's a goal. We're to mature in love. We're to grow in love. And as we mature in the love of God, guess what? That casts out fear out of our lives. Make sense? He says that fear, and this is why it's important, because fear involves punishment. What does that mean? Well, have you ever noticed that when we are afraid, we kind of think that something bad is going to happen, like something's coming our way, like, oh no, that's what fear does. Fear always leads to, oh no, something bad is gonna come my way, there's something going to happen, and that is paralyzing, my friends. That is very paralyzing in our life. But I'm just one who I I think from reading the scriptures, I can understand Satan's attacks and his actions, that when he hears things like, God has not given us a spirit of fear, that we're not to fear, I think Satan comes along and says, well, we'll just see about that. We'll just see about that. Let's see how much fear I can put in their lives. Let's see how many Christians I can get to walk around with, oh no, and be afraid of certain things. Now, I'll be honest with you, and you'll probably hear this in the next series. I used to tell myself, I'm not afraid of anything, I'm not afraid of anything. And then when I started to have to deal with myself and be honest with what I really felt you know, and things run corking in my mid-30s, you know, and you finally start looking at yourself, I finally had to admit I was afraid of a lot of things. But I just pretended to myself that I wasn't. Now, fear. As you know, this series was going to be called The Other Side of COVID and all the ways that COVID and all the things coming at us, in my strong opinion, and I don't think I'm wrong, it tried to disable, it tried to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Any amens? And I've covered the fact that they muzzled us, less talking, no communication, no sharing faith, that we are God's voice. And last week we talked about the distancing, yet we're called to fellowship, we're called to come together. Many churches did not survive uh, COVID, and they didn't, they didn't make it through, they they were destroyed. And I think Satan sat there and go, I'm going to use this thing. But today we're going to talk about the fear part. Because the way that they kept the muzzles on us and the way that they kept us apart from each other is they use fear. Would you agree? And it's still coming at us now. It's coming at us. It's coming at us full-bore again. I'm not here to debate COVID with you. You want to wear a mask? Great. You don't? Great. Don't matter to me. You want to get a vaccine? Great. You don't want to get it? Great. It's not my business. It's whatever you want to do. I'm an American, so you're an American. We're free to choose. Any amens? Yeah. At least that's what I used to think, right? That's your, it's your deal, not mine. But they've, they've, they've instilled fear. My daughter, she goes into a store where she buys the necessary products for her to do her business, and the girl behind the counter, and this is after masks became optional and people in the store know masks and that. My daughter's gone to that store so many times, and the clerk behind the counter, my daughter's not wearing a mask, you know, she's a Del Campo, no, I'm just joking. But the girl behind the counter looks at her and questions her on why she's not wearing a mask, and then she tells my daughter this. So you want to kill me and my family then? And I thought, are we going nuts? Are we just going crazy? And I told you two weeks ago what some lady told my wife, right? Remember that one? How many weren't here to hear that? Two weeks ago. Well, you should have been here. Sorry about that one. (laughs) Can't spend time. The DAV room tells me I take too long when I'm preaching. Now, so... so, I want you to hear my heart before I get into this message. The devil has two strengths that I, that I know operate and he uses them. Lies and fear. And if he can get me to believe a lie, and by the way, we all believe lies. And don't tell me you don't. We all do. You're fallen and we're growing and we're maturing in Christ. There are things that we look, out, look at incorrectly in life still. And we're growing. Any amens? but he uses and he plays on the lies and he uses them to inject fear into our life to paralyze us, to stunt us from experiencing everything God has for us look, I'm older now I'm not the young guy I once was I'm not that old though, okay but I know a few things and I've experienced a few things and I've watched for decades now because we live in a... Guys, we're in a fallen world. And this is not the worst. It's been worse in history. Periodically, it gets bad. But I've never seen lies and lies being pushed forth by journalists and, and politicians like I'm watching in my lifetime. It's incredible. It's just incredible. I've never seen and what I mean by that they'll take a little bit of truth like Satan does like he did in the desert and they'll twist it and they'll turn it and they'll bend it and they'll add to it and they'll do this and do that look I've always known that some Christian leaders do not like to be interviewed through different shows on TV because they'll ask them questions they'll give answers but then they'll take that tape cut it up and they'll ask this question with the the answer the Christian did not give to make them look stupid and I know that happens I've already known that so you can't trust it but I've never seen it like today and so all these lies coming at us, all these twistings, and they're designed to one thing. And, and it's, if you just please for the first time just open your eyes. It's designed to make you fear. And they want you to think the way they want you to think. But I say we're to think like this. You know, and I know I'm preaching to the choir mostly. This is our worldview. That's a fallen world, guys. This is our worldview. It's a godly worldview. And we're not to walk in the lies and we're not to walk in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a clear, prioritized mind. Amen? Amen. Let's go to lunch. I'm so done. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I got a long way to go. So let's get to the key verse. Do you guys mind if I just read the key verse and phrase? I've, I've spoken enough about it because next week I'm going to expand a lot. Can I just read it and say the phrase and move on? Is that Okay because i got a lot to say. Okay, Matthew 16, 18. I need you to read it. One, two, three, go. Do you fill this up a lot so I'll spill it on me when I drink it? Is that what you do? So, we already know what that means. I'll cover more next week, but our tagline is this. Say it with me. One, two, three. How to live Live with effective faith faith in a in a defective world. Now, all of it's designed that we are to participate in the kingdom of God. We're to move from inactive duty to active duty. We're to participate with other believers. We're to get involved. We're to serve. Otherwise, the gates of hell are pushing us back. And that shouldn't be so. So, <clears throat> first they gagged us. Then they distance us. And now, they and then with all that, they use fear as a catalyst to keep us in place. Shut up. Isolate, and that's what you're going to do. But the first followers did the opposite. The scriptures teach the opposite. Any amens? I got three points a day. Each one's going to build. The first one's kind of fun, but the next two we're going to get into it deeper and deeper. So here we go. Number one in your notes, and that's this. Sharing about Jesus is exciting. Any amens on that? No, oh, come on. Any amens on that? It just is. Look at verse 23 and 24 of Acts, and it says this. This is the story that we've been injecting in the last two weeks. And now we're going to continue the story. Now that Peter has been chastised, told to shut up, don't share about Jesus, don't share about the resurrection. And now he's been he's being released in, into, with his friends. And it says this when they had rele- been released, they went to their own companions. Remember that fellowship last week? Remember that? No more they didn't distance and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Testimony, isn't that great? They come together with testimony and amens. Verse 24. And when they, this group of people, heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O oh Lord. That's a big phrase. It is you who made, now they're going to quote some Old Testament stuff here. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them do they know God is in control you better believe it now they've just been told you shut up you keep your Christianity yourself you don't talk about Jesus you don't talk about the resurrection and they said well should I obey God or should I obey man and the answer is we should obey who we obey God and they leave there and they come with all the other believers and they share and everybody starts rejoicing and everybody gets excited, right? Because sharing about Jesus is an exciting thing, is it not? Yes. Haven't you ever walked away from this opportunity you had to share your faith and you're like so jazzed up because you shared? You ever felt that? It's a, by the way, if you haven't felt that in a long time, we need to get back to the program, Okay. Because maybe that's why for some of us, Christianity, you come here like, this is so boring. Well, it's because you're not engaging yourself. It's because you're not in active duty. Anything becomes boring. I mean, if you played sports, did you sit there and go, I want to practice all the time so I can sit the bench. Is that what it was? No, you want to get in the game. So you got to get in the game. So Satan puts on the gag order, shut up, don't talk about Jesus or the resurrection. They go, oh no, we're going to talk about it and when you share and you talk and you serve and you teach Sunday school whatever it is and you share about Jesus to people it excites you does it not? at least it excites me maybe three of you got excited there but anyway let's move on let me get into what I want to talk about number two is this expect opposition verse 25 to 28 says this who by the Holy Spirit this is they're going to continue talking now through the mouth of our father David David was the king in the Old Testament Jesus is called the son of David. It's a title. Your servant said, Why did the Gentiles rage? Now they're quoting from Psalm 2, verse 1 and 2. And the people devised futile things. And the kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Notice there's an opposition. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus... Whom you anointed. Opposition. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, among with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Opposition, 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 opposition to this thing. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. They quote Psalm 1 and 2. Why? Why? First off, do they have a high view of Scripture? you better believe it. When they hit a snag, when they hit a problem, they go right to Scripture to find out what's the answer to this. Why is this? And because they have a high view of Scripture, that gives them the understanding of the opposition coming against them. Does it not? They can actually know that there was going to be opposition and they can expect it and here's why because it's against the Christ it's against Jesus does it make sense? yet in all of it they called him Lord which they know and despite the opposition who's in control of it all? God's in control what if we believe that? let me talk to you expect opposition okay so um, you guys know I'm a backpacker I walked the High Sierras I carry my pack and um, I started in 1979 a long time ago some of you weren't even born yep I get it alright the first year I went I walked in about 15 miles out of Sequoia and you're walking in the mountain in the High Sierras you're going in there, isn't you? you can't drive back there. you walk in and you set up your camp there and I remember it's Tamarack Lake stayed in there about 6 days first time ever you know and they said, you know, bears could come in, and we used to have to hang our, put our food in pouches, hang it over a tree branch, tie it, tie the, the long line to another tree, because if the bear climbs this tree, he'll just cut the line to this one. So, you know, and then later on, the bears figured that out, and they started to cut the line on the other trees. They get, they're smart. That first time, I remember, I I got in my tent. I don't know where, which night it was, but the possibility of bears was there. And it was a windy night. And the moon was out. And I remember laying in my tent, you know, my nylon tent to protect me from bears. (laughs) And I looked and there was a silhouette of a bear's head right there. I've told this story before. And I was frozen. I was petrified. I I didn't want to move. And I just stared at it like seemingly all night, but I'm sure it was about at least an hour. I was terrified. And finally, you know, I got my beautiful mind experience. Logically, I said, the bear's head hasn't moved. It can't be a bear. It hasn't moved. (laughs) Right? I mean, beautiful mind, you know, Russell Crowe. The kids don't grow old. Some of you get that, right? It's logic. And so I I went to sleep. Woke up the next morning. I had to go see what's there. What happened in the night was the wind blew my dew cover off. The dew cover went over on the side. It fell down in the shape. When the moonlight hit it, it had the shape of a bear's head. And so I was terrified of a tarp, of a dew cover. And I was, I was paranoid. I was, I was frozen in fear. We never saw a bear that year. Then the next year I went, my second year 1980, I went backpacking in Yosemite up the Merced River Canyon and went 10 miles back, climbed all three of the massive waterfalls with 45 pounds on my back, all the way, I think, to Merced Lake is where we went to. Are there bears in Yosemite? (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Went to bed that night. One of my friends, caused his food got taken the first night, and he just walked right back out the next day. He was gone. He was done. And so we devised this method because I thought the bears are going to go after our food. So we found this thing we did so so we could get our food out. And one thing I learned was you listen at night because once you go in your... In, in, your, in your tents, you listen for the pine needles cracking, crack, crack. And you'll hear the bears walking around your massively strong nylon tent as you're 10 miles in the backcountry. And I remember, I, you know, you hear them walking around and, you know, and, and, but our food was so secure they couldn't get it. And so it was scary. By the third year, I wasn't scared anymore because I devised my own method. What I would do is once I put all my food in the in the stuff bag, counterbalance it over the tree limb, I would take pots and I would tie it to my backpack, which was empty, nothing that the bear wants, and then I would take rocks, put it outside my door of my powerful nylon tent, and I told everybody else there, I said, put these rocks outside your door, and if you hear me yelling at night, there's a bear and he's going after our stuff. And once I start yelling, you start yelling and come out, grab those rocks and start throwing them at the bear. Okay, how many would you take in my advice? (laughs) Well, the bear came in. And so we we started yelling. I come out, you know, with the hopes that my friends would not leave me hanging one-on-one. And I pick up rocks and I started throwing them and the bear would take off running. And I did that for 20 something years. 20-something years fighting off bears. Now, here, here's the deal. And, well, until the advent 14, 15 years ago of a bear canister, now the bears don't come in at all because they can't get your food. But for all those 20-something years, I relied on a few things. First off, I relied on yelling, my voice. God gave us a voice, right? To speak the Word of God, right? I relied on everybody come out of your tents at the same time as a fellowship. Let's come together and drive that ugly guy back, Okay? So fellowship, we come together in one unit. Are we not the church? If we have a purpose and a reason to come together, any amens on that? So we all came. be, but I also had rocks. My rocks, what are the rocks? That's the power, baby. Has God given us the Holy Spirit? Any amens? And we had the rocks, throw them at the bear. And every time the bear come in, we'd shout, have a voice, fellowship come together, and we'd use our power, and we'd throw those rocks at the bear. And that bear would take off every time for 20-something years, my friend, 20-something. But here's what I grew to expect. Every year, I knew the bears were going to come after us and come after our food. Every year, I knew it was coming. But every year, were we ready for them? Because I knew they were coming into the camp. And I knew they are trying to get what was mine and I'd get everybody ready when that bear comes and by the way if you've never stood up next to a bear in the back country in the middle of the night in the dark with the flashlight he's about this he's about as tall as me just so you know so it is a scary thing if you're not used to it so when I see a bear and I go like this they just no i just okay. <laughs> but I used every weapon against it that I had <laughs> but I expected the opposition listen listen I think we've been paralyzed with fear too long. We've been told to shut up for too long. You don't share Jesus. You don't talk about it. You could lose your job. Right? Well, there's a free country. But we have the power. And we have the fellowship. And we have the voice, like John the Baptist said I'm a voice one crying in the wilderness. And we have the love of God. We cast it off for love for people. But we need to expect opposition, right? See, here's what I think a problem is. That when we get opposition, we think, I'm not going to share anymore. What? You should expect opposition. Watch, watch this, watch this. Put this verse up there. Watch what Jesus said. Watch, notice that there's... I wish I would have backed up to verse 17, but I didn't. But I'll tell you what verse 17 says. It says... And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Is that government? Interesting, huh? That's very interesting. Jesus said that for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Gentiles are the non-believer, basically. But when they hand you over... And by the way, verse 17 talked about religious, religion organizations that come against the Christian... Just because it's a religion doesn't mean it's personal religion with Jesus Christ. You guys got that, right? But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. Now watch this. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, of your Father who speaks in you whoa wait a minute here so here's what he's saying here's what Jesus said will you and I be put on the spot and have to defend our faith at times yes it's going to happen unless no one knows you're a Christian and you like it that way you'll never have to defend it but you'll be put on the spot good but what Jesus is saying there when you're put on the spot don't get anxious about it instead you should live in expectation of what the Spirit of God is going to speak through you. Any amens? You don't walk in anxiousness. You expect, well, let's see what the Spirit of God's going to put in my heart and mind to say to these people, right? Because it's going to be something. Wow. And you're going to find out the rocks of God's Word is going to come out of you. And you're going to walk away and think to yourself, that came out of me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's because your mind and my mind are Holy Spirit user-friendly and the Spirit of God lives in you and I. Any amens? And so you walk in the expectation that okay, Spirit of God, I may not know the Bible like so-and-so, but here we go. Speak through me right now. And by the way, if you don't know an answer to a question they're giving you, simply say, I don't know the answer to that one, but I'll go research it. I'll come back and I'll give you the answer. And then, guess what? You just grew, did you not? And you will never forget that answer, will you? Because you had to search it out instead of me searching it out for you. Any amens? and then you grow and you keep growing and you get better and better at it but you never walk in the anxiety or the fear what am I going to say what am I going to say let the spirit of God speak right through you my friends and you have a testimony of how God has changed your life do you not and nobody can stand against that what are they going to say Well, that's not real really really no so expect opposition now number three is this now here's my favorite part they ask for what got them in trouble now, these guys, these first followers, watch this, verse 29, they asked for what got them in trouble. And now, Lord, here's their prayer to God. After they've been told, shut up, don't talk about Jesus, don't talk about the resurrection, and then they finally are released, and now they're in fellowship and giving testimony. And it says, And now, Lord, take note of their threats. Those people that threatened us, Lord, take note of that. And grant that your bondservants themselves may speak your word with all what? boldness yeah while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus in other words we're going to keep serving we're going to keep ministering you just keep doing what you're doing through us amen but you take note of what they're trying to stop us how they're saying what they're saying about it verse 31 and when they had prayed the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. boldness. Okay. I've got a lot to say. So when I dismiss you, will you just run to your cars? <laughs> to your cars. What got them in trouble in the first place? I said it three times already. Boldness. Boldness. What did they pray for after they were threatened? Boldness. They prayed for the very thing that got them in trouble. Have you ever thought about that? Here's the reality of our lives, though. The first followers of Christ, they prayed for boldness. What do we pray for? Protection. Oh, God, put a dome around me. Protect me with three-foot clear glass so no one can hurt me and I'm not saying not to pray for protection but we focus on the protection part instead of the bold part am I right? I got all these scribblings here that I wrote it's a dangerous thing for a preacher to look over his note too many times but remember in Rocky 3 anybody remember Rocky 3? it's the greatest series in the history of mankind Rocky III, remember when Rocky's there? He he says, I'm going to retire, and they unveil the statue. Remember that? And remember Clubber Lang's in the audience? Anybody remember that? Remember what Clubber tells him? Clubber Lang is, by the way, one of the greatest characters in the history of movies. The lines they gave that guy, I wish I was Clubber in that movie. But Clubber says, don't give him statues. Give him guts. Because he wants to fight Rocky, does he not? But Rocky's retired. And he's trying to get because see, here's what the statue represents. The statue, Rocky statue in retirement represents here's what I've accomplished, and now I'm done. Clubber says, don't give him statues, give him guts. In other words, get back in the ring. And he coaxes Rocky to get back in the ring. And because he did, we have Rocky four, five, six, creed one, and creed two. Am I right? Am I right? So, Rocky had a lot left in the tank, huh? Let me tell you, this is what I feel like the Spirit told me. Don't give ourselves statues. Well, you know, I used to serve in kids' church. What do you do now? Nothing. I got a statue. <laughs> I used to serve out and ask me, you know, I used to share my faith. I used to do this. I used to be part of the setup team. I used to do this. I do that. You got your statue, don't you? Don't get, give yourself it. Get some guts. There's still Rocky 4, 5, 6, Creed 1, and 2 left in you. Get back in the game. Any amens on that? Now stay with me. Say this phrase with me. I'm so glad God dropped that illustration in my mind yesterday. Thank God. Because it wasn't part of my original list. Here, Here, say this with me. One, two, three. Fear seeks comfort. Boldness seeks the cause of Christ. Say it again. Fear seeks comfort. Boldness seeks the cause of Christ what's the greatest threat in all this that all that's been going on to the kingdom of God With the gates of all driving us back it's fear it's comfort back in days ago we're just afraid when it says they prayed for boldness you know what the word boldness means it means literally to tell it all they're saying Holy Spirit give us the boldness the ability to tell it all to not back down but to share our faith. Here's the big question. Why were they unafraid to stand up and share the truth of God's word in a culture that pushed hard back against them like ours does? Why were they unafraid? I'll tell you why. A couple reasons in there. First off, they prayed for boldness. Let me be honest. You can't work up boldness. You got to pray for it. Follow me? You got to pray for it all the time. You can't work it up. You got to pray for it. But the second thing, don't miss it in the story there of the first followers. They were filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Did you catch that? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power dunamis, dynamite. Same word of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me share some. Listen closely, those of us who are so complacent in our faith. In John chapter 20, Jesus breathed the Spirit of God upon the disciples, the first followers. That's when they were born again. Some almost 50 days later, on Acts chapter 1, they already had the Holy Spirit, but now the Holy Spirit, said, Jesus said, wait for the power. And the power of the Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 1. Now, Peter receives that power, we find in Acts chapter 2, first time. And then he's refilled with that power in Acts 4, eight, And then he's refilled with that power in Acts 4.31. What is that telling us? It may bend your theology a bit, but in there it's telling us you got to keep asking to be refilled, refilled, and refilled with the power of God. You follow me? Are you following me? Because we're like, you know, that birthday balloon? The one that after a while in your office or house it just starts to go like this? You know that balloon? But you could take it back. Did you know they could refill those? I didn't know that. You learn something new every day here. But anyway, you can refill them. And that's like you and I. We need to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Every day. Every day in my life. And I've been walking with God 42 years. If you read my post this week, 42 years. But every morning I get up, I say two things to God right off the top. I say, Lord, forgive me my sins. And, then I, and that's not a condemning thing. I don't feel bad. I just say, Lord, forgive me my sins. And then I say, I lift my hands up and I say... Lord, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit again. And then I step in the shower. Get that image out of your mind. (laughs) I do that every day. I know I need the power of the Spirit of God. I know I'm like that balloon. I know it. But I also ask this of the Spirit. I say, also, give me boldness and give me opportunity to share within that boldness. And then once we do that every day, then stay on the alert, right? Because we see what we're looking for, correct? If you go to the supermarket and you just want ice cream, what's the only thing you see? It's all you see. But if you sit there and you're looking at humanity as lost, and you've asked God to fill you with the Spirit, and say, give me boldness and give me opportunity, man, you're looking for the on-ramp, are you not? you're looking for the moment when here it is somebody's asking a question somebody's saying something I'm gonna say here I go and you won't be afraid you'll expect the opposition but you'll know that the spirit of God is speaking through you listen, listen I, gotta, I gotta close up because. oh my gosh what time is it I gotta close fast I'm so sorry I can't do my last illustration but I heard this on the radio and this is how ridiculous our culture is it's, there are so many things so upside down. I'm going to share something in one, two, three, four weeks that I hope you listen to me in that next series because this is really troubling me, but we'll get there. Here's what the radio ad said. It was about COVID. Now that, this was like three weeks ago, now that things are getting back to normal, our fears haven't disappeared, they've evolved. I heard that and I go in my car I go shut up I reject that my fears evolve. have you read 2nd Timothy 1 7 do you know what God says I reject stuff like that I'm not going to walk in fear I'm not going to walk in what they say now listen I, I just got to close it up I, I got to close it up oh it just frustrates because I would like to say this let me just finish this way. Okay. Go back to Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you fear. Anytime you feel fear, it's not of God. Not of God. But He has given you a spirit of power. The power of the infilling of the Spirit of God. If you ask for it. And ask for to be refilled with the power of the Spirit every day. He's giving you power. He's giving you the rocks, man. Love. The more you grow in God, the more you know God loves you in spite of your flaws, in spite of that sin you committed this past week. God loves you. And that perfect maturing love that you're growing in casts out all fear, right? then he gives you a sound mind, disciplined mind, not erratic, but a prioritized, spiritual, biblical mind. When I hear certain things said, I think to myself, not biblical. When the journalist says that, I go, not biblical. Politician says that, not biblical. Not biblical. It's not in your notes, but it's like this. Paul in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, Though we walk in the flesh. You're in the physical body. You're in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You cannot fight spirit with flesh, right? And it's a spiritual battle. All these people spreading all the lies and trying to twist your brain, get you they don't know they're controlled by the God of this world. We all of us were controlled by the God of this world before we came to Christ. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but are divinely powerful through God. For the destruction of fortresses. What's a fortress? It's a castle. It's a structure. And there are fortresses that they try to build and that are built in our mind. They are lies. And then he goes on to say, we are destroying speculations. Any speculation in our head, any thought in our head that doesn't line up with that, we're destroying it because otherwise it builds a fortress we're destroying speculation and then he says and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God everything that comes our way should be filtered through the word of God everything everything and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ to the obedience of Christ When you start doing that, you'll have concern with the craziness of the world, but you won't walk in fear. You won't be swayed by any of the dialogue out there because that's your filter. And you'll walk around knowing who you are and what God has called you to do, and you'll do it. You'll quit stacking up the trophies of what you did 10 years ago or five years ago. And you'll get guts. And you'll get back in that ring again, back to active duty. Be a disciple, not a Christian. And you'll fight Drago, Rocky Four. And you'll fight Tommy Gunn, Rocky Five. And you'll fight Mason the Line Dixon, Rocky Six. Thank God it ended there. And you'll coach Creed in Creed One and Two, Rocky. And you'll stay in the game till the day you die, and you'll be active. I want to be like Caleb. (laughs) I want to be like Caleb. When they got to the Promised Land, the guy's eighty, and they said, "You got, you got." Trish, you love this. I know you love this. I always say, "You've been here for twenty something years." You know, I love this illustration. They say you want this? We got a retirement place here on the beach on the Mediterranean. And Jim Del Campos paraphrases like he goes, Caleb says, I don't need no thinking cottage on the beach. It's a trophy. He goes, see that hill over there? I want that. Because there's giants up there. And I'm just as strong now as when I left Egypt. And I want to go kill some more giants. I got guts. I don't need statues. I'm not afraid. I'm going to stay in the game. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. And stand up with me because I've got to get you out of here. Make sense? Did everything make sense? Okay, but the real question is will you do something about it though? That's the real question. Um, I just got to pray and let you guys go. And once I pray remember you can drop a physical offering there you can exit through any door no matter our prayer team will be over here to my left or right for any prayer needs you have other than that I think we're good so let's pray Father we need to get back in active duty we need to get guts again walk in the power of the spirit again get out of our complacency Do something. But walk around with no fear. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Those first followers faced things that you and I will never face. And they faced it with boldness. In a Roman Empire, it was clamping down hard on Christianity. But Christianity couldn't be stopped. You know, I know why? Because now a cross hangs at the entrance of the Colosseum in Rome. Who won? Who won? Jesus did. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. See you next time. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Norco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.